Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Memphis fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Sports columnist. I'm joined, as always, by our Tiger basketball beat writer, Jason Munns. Jason, we're going streaking. Woo! We haven't stopped. We're still streaking. (laughs) Uh, Tigers on a six-game winning streak uh, after a huge week in which they uh, beat win at Houston and at Cincinnati uh, and set up a big game at SMU this weekend, but more importantly, set themselves up to be a NCAA tournament team. Um, you know, the you know, based on the most recent bracketology, if the season ended today, more than likely Memphis would would end its NCAA tournament drought. The season does not end today. There's still five get regular season games left and the conference tournament, but they've uh, the Tigers have certainly transformed. Uh, their season here over this six-game winning streak. Uh, so we will uh, break it all down. We'll we'll get we'll we'll explain what they've accomplished here with these two big wins over Houston and Cincinnati. We'll recap what happened, what it meant, all that in today's podcast. Then we'll break down the latest bracketology, what the road ahead might look like, what the Tigers, you know, what we think they need to do the rest of the way to have a successful selection Sunday. Uh, and then we'll look ahead to this SMU game, um, a game that has huge implications from an NCAA tournament standpoint, also huge implications from a conference championship standpoint. So um, another huge road game ahead for the the Tigers. Um, but Jason, this three, what looked like a gauntlet when this Cincinnati game got rescheduled, three straight road games at Houston, at Cincinnati, then at SMU. Memphis has now successfully navigated the first two uh, parts of it. Uh, They snap Houston's 37-game home winning streak uh, last weekend, last Saturday, um, and then come back 72 hours later and win at a place they haven't won at a lot lately, at Cincinnati, uh, and certainly hadn't won in a while in front of a full building at Cincinnati. Um, And, you know, two of their more... You could argue maybe their two most impressive performances of the year, given the stakes uh, and given what they meant. Um, as you look back, uh, I- I'm curious, what was more impressive to you? The way Memphis went into Houston and beat Houston and closed out Houston? Or the way they um, held off Cincinnati in what was frankly a natural spot for a letdown performance, given how emotional the win over Houston was. 
I'm curious what you what you made of those two wins. Do you have is it is it the obvious answer? It's Houston because Houston doesn't lose at home, and you know they're the better team, and it was a you know it felt like a landmark win, or you know is it a little more nuanced? And it's you know the Cincinnati game because it kind of showed a mature it showed a maturity level uh, that maybe we hadn't seen from this program. Yeah, so I mean, I I totally get your I know where you stand on the matter. Uh, and and I don't think that you're wrong. For me, it's Houston, though. Um, I just I think I think the circumstances surrounding everything about that game, uh, it, it just it just it's it's a bigger deal to me um, than going to Cincinnati and winning there. I mean, I again, I get what you're saying. Like, I totally understand your point, And I'm not saying you're wrong. But um Houston yeah you said it Houston doesn't doesn't lose in that building um they've lost once in that building to a conference opponent uh they 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 hadn't lost back-to-back games in a very long time um now there are some things about that Houston game that sort of I could argue myself out of my own head here um, Houston doesn't have any quad one wins anymore. Uh, this is not the same Houston team from a year ago. Uh, this is not the same Houston team from even November when they had Marcus Sasser, when they had Tremont Mark, um, you know, so like it was kind of only a matter of time before Houston was gonna more than likely it was, they were going to come back down to earth a little bit. So from that standpoint, it, it's not. You know, it's not like Memphis went there and beat uh, a, a team that a lot of people are projecting as a repeat Final Four uh, uh, team. But um, I still think that one, to me, you know, it's Kelvin Sampson. You know, like he's he's proven over the last years and and over the course of his career even to be one of the better uh, basketball coach, college basketball coaches in the country going right now. Um, you know, Wes Miller is, is a fine coach, uh, but he's in Samson. Um, and, and yeah, no, that's just, that's where I'm at. I, I still, I think Houston is, is the, is the better win, the better resume builder for Memphis, uh, than the Cincinnati win. But that doesn't mean that you're, you, you know, your, your, your argument has, has merit. Yeah. Well, so I did not take a stance yet, Jason, for the you record. Sure? I think they were equally as impressive. Oh. I think that's what I think. I think, but I would say this: I, I tend to I the Houston win. Be, I think what makes the Houston win more significant, significant, I guess, is that also the recent history, not just Kelvin Sampson, like the way Memphis lost those two Houston games last year. You could tell they were. Th- they even said it. They were thinking about that going into the game. Um, you know, they had two chances to knock off Houston. You you know, the, the reality is last year, the game at Houston should have gone to overtime. It took a miraculous shot not to go to overtime by Houston. And then Memphis should have won the game in the conference tournament. They hit free throws. They do what they did at Houston last weekend, which is hit a bunch of free throws late. They, they probably, the conference tournament game is probably a similar score, similar de- margin a victory for Memphis is the one they just want. Um, and so 
it's significant in that sense. They did what they couldn't do last year. And then the reality is Houston's considered the best team in the league. And that's a win based on the net rankings. It's the type of road win very few teams in the country will have on their resume this year. Um, So even though I think we can all agree the Houston team we saw over the weekend, like they, you know, they aren't, they aren't as good as last year. And, and you're right. The injuries probably caught up to them a little bit. Um, nonetheless, what Memphis did there was really impressive, especially um, how they kind of weathered different storms, if you will, throughout that game. You know, Houston takes the lead late and Memphis come, Memphis didn't will. And then, but, but I will say, I thought, you know, I wrote this in the at commercialpeel.com, you know, to me, like a lot of bubble teams get that marquee win at around this time of year. They come up big. Usually it's at home, to, to, to be honest. Not on the road like Memphis did at Houston, but, but they get that big win. But sometimes, and I've covered several teams like this in the past, they can't follow the big win up. You know, they can't take care of business, if you will. And even though that Cincinnati game was a road game, it's an opponent you didn't, you haven't won on the road very much against over the years. Like that was a take care of business game. Cincinnati's not that good. Um, they're not better than Memphis. And a less mature team would not have played the way Memphis did against Cincinnati. It wasn't their best game. You know, I, you, you'd probably argue Houston in terms of performance, Houston, the Wichita State game, the Alabama game. Maybe even the the UCF game at home were better performances by Memphis than the Cincinnati game, but the the business like approach they took to it, the way you know, for instance, first half, Jalen Duran gets in foul trouble, DeAndre Williams doesn't play the last eight minutes of the first half, they're still up fifteen. Second half, Cincinnati starts hitting threes like they did at FedEx Forum. Um, Keep cutting down the lead, cutting down the lead, cutting down the lead. And every time Memphis had an answer and it was up and down the roster. Um, So I thought that was really impressive. And the way I phrase it is like to me, that's what an NCAA tournament team does. Like that's how they look in February. And that's how Memphis looked in these last two games. They looked like a good team. And not just for stretches, not just for a half at a time. Like, they looked like a good team. They looked like a tournament team. And fittingly, that's what they're being considered as now. Um, And, you know, it's a variety of things. We talked about it on last week's pod. I mean, it's continued. Alex Lomax is arguably playing the best basketball of his college career. Lester Quinones is now on a five-game streak of scoring in double figures. Landers Nolly looks like the player who led Memphis through that NIT run again. I mean, he was a monster in that Houston game and hit a just big, a big shot in the second half against Cincinnati. He was, again, solid against Cincinnati. Uh, Duran, Duran has shown, has had these dominant performances even early in the year, but now it feels like every game he's the best big man on the floor and they're getting him the ball more. Um, DeAndre Williams feels like he's been more consistent he looks like the DeAndre Williams of last season, more so than the beginning of the year. Um, 
You know, Minot, I thought, was great against Cincinnati. You know, he's been a little up and down lately, but that's what, you know, that that tends to happen with most freshmen. Um, And frankly, if he's up every other game, like, that's probably all they need. Um, You know, he gave them a nice lift in that Cincinnati game. Um, And then... Don't forget who? Tyler Harris. Oh, yes. And then Tyler... You know, had a subpar. It didn't play well against Houston, to be quite honest. It was probably one of his worst games of late. But then bounces back and hits big shots. It finishes with the team best 15 points um, against uh, Cincinnati. And then you saw in these two games the continuation of not just a consistency within the team, but a consistency within the way Penny's leading the team. I mean, there is now... You know, the starting lineup makes a lot of sense. And even though it wasn't quite as effective, you know, like that starting lineup outscored Houston when they were on the floor at Houston. They outscored Houston by 27 points, which is remarkable. They were actually outscored by six points when they were playing against Cincinnati. So it wasn't as it wasn't a dominating performance. But I'd argue that second half against Cincinnati Memphis got outscored by, you know, what, like uh, eight points in that second half. But, like, I thought it was just as impressive as the first half in the sense that, you know, they kept responding. They kept, you know, answering every time Cincinnati rallied. Um, So, but you've got that, and then you've got this consistency of, okay, Penny's going to play whoever he's got available in the first half. But then in the second half, He's going to play Tyler, and Tyler's being used as the backup point guard. He's going to play Minot some. And then if there's foul trouble with the bigs, he'll, you know, he'll play Malcolm or Chandler a little bit. But, like, you know, the guys know their roles. They kind of know when and how they're going to be used. Um, I think that's a big part of why you're seeing these players play at such a high level all of a sudden. Um, There's a consistency throughout the program uh, that just wasn't there. And Penny, you know, people, you know, sometimes look at people like me who were were critical before this winning streak of what was going on within the program. But like, it seems to me like Penny's admitted, like he wasn't doing handling this the best way um, until this most recent stretch. Like, it's not just that they got healthy. It's that they got better through everyone did. Everyone is performing better and they are seeing the results now out on the court where, you know, they just, they, they look like the best, you know, Penny said, when we're healthy, we're the best team in the league. Well, this last week, they sure looked like the best team in the league. Um, and, uh, it's been, uh, it's been pretty remarkable. It's not what we all expected in the preseason, you know, I don't think anyone was thinking that this team would just be like on the bubble, you know, because they're still on the bubble heading into this SMU game. But given where they were a month ago when Penny had that outburst after after the home SMU game, um, you know, I don't know if, you know, I'm sure there there's there are some fans who, if you had asked them back then, would have said they're going to win six in a row. But I can tell you this, like Vegas wouldn't have predicted that. You know, like the likelihood of this happening was not that high and that they've done it is really a testament to the resolve within that program um, and to some real improvements made throughout the roster 
and, and frankly made by Penny Hardaway. It's it's been uh, it, it's been it's been really good to see. Um, and they've completely flipped, you know, how this season will be remembered ultimately um, because of what they've done over these last six games. Yeah, no, I think I think Mark, I think you 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 hit pretty much. You know, you 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 hit the nail right on the head. It wasn't it wasn't that uh, necessarily. I mean, yes, health was a big part of it. Getting getting DeAndre Williams back, getting you know everybody back, all the people who were missing, uh, which is like half the team um, at various points. Getting everybody back, I guess, with the exception of now Imani Bates and and Earl Timberlake, um, who are still their statuses are uncertain going into the SMU game. Penny Hardaway came up with a blueprint. You, you know, you, you kind of laid it out perfectly. He, he, he has hit on a very, very, um, good starting lineup. Um, good to great starting lineup, um, through two, you know, it's only been two games that we've seen this exact starting lineup on the floor, uh, to start games, but, uh, nonetheless, they've been very, very good. And, you know, he mixes and matches a little bit, uh, you know, when he when he goes with that line change, you know, he, he kind of mixes and matches the rest of the first half. And then in the second half, he narrows it down um, uh, considerably and it they're better for it. Like, it's just it's clear it, it works. And um, yeah, it's again, it's a clear blueprint for uh, success. And that is probably bigger in the grand scheme of things than, than getting healthy ever was. I mean, like if you're, if you're, if you're managing games that way, um, you know, all things considered it, it, you're probably, you're probably not losing three games in a row or, uh, eight out of 12 or whatever it was. So, um, yeah, no, to me, the, 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 the plan that they have developed, uh, in these last week or two or whatever it's been is, 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 has been the key that that to me has been the key to the whole thing. Yeah. Here's a question for you. Um, it's interesting. So Pat 40 of sports illustrated was at the Cincinnati game, uh, and wrote a column over at SI.com about, you know, the Imani Bates part of this, um, he wrote about Memphis too, but also, you know, the headline is, as Memphis figures things out, the Amani Bates situation looms. And he asked Penny after the game, you know, are you better, whether the, whether the team is better without Amani Bates? And I thought Penny gave a pretty good answer, given a tough, you know, it's a tough question to have to answer right after a game. And, you know, how given how delicate this all is, right. uh, Penny, Penny said, quote, I can't say that. Again, asked whether the team is better without Bates. I can't say that. I think it's the growth of the team. Just like there's growth in Imani, talking to him every day while he's rehabbing his back. There's growth in all of us. There's growth in me. I'm the guy who was orchestrating everything in the beginning. The team has just come together. The guys are just buying in as a group, so it makes it easier to win ball games now. Whenever he comes back, we're going to welcome him. My question to you, is there room for Imani in all of this? Like... Do you want, you know, I don't know whether I buy if he's actually going to come back and play this season, but if he does, um, can you see it working seamlessly? Like, would do you see this team at a, is it at a point now where nothing like that, nothing can really tr- truly derail it? 
um, this cohesion and chemistry we've seen, or would that disrupt things in your mind? I think there is a role for Imani Bates if he is to actually return. Um, you know, I mean, I, I don't, I, I think it, I think it would disrupt things in so much as, you know, in adding anybody to the mix would, would cause, you know, some sort of, uh, adjustments would have to be made, you know, like, I'm not saying it would, it would disrupt things in a bad way necessarily. Um, but yeah, I was asked this a couple times yesterday about this very thing, whether, whether, you know, whether welcoming Amani Bates back into the, back into the mix would, uh, would be a bad thing for Memphis or not. Um, and, and I said the same thing, uh, both times. It, it just depends on how he is used. You know, if you, if you bring him back and you try to shoehorn him back into the role that he was being shoehorned into, uh, when he was healthy, when he was playing, I should say, um, then, then yeah, that's going to be a problem. That's not going to be, that's not going to work. The, the odds of that working are slim to none, in my opinion. Now, if you bring him back, uh, and, 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 you know, he, you give him 10 to 15 minutes a game max, and he is a catch and shoot specialist, as opposed to a, you know, sometimes point guard, sometimes slasher, um, you know, who, who, who disrupts the flow of the offense and, and is, and struggles on defense, uh, then, then that will be a problem. But, you know, I, I don't, you know, if, 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 if all parties involved can get on the same page and that page is, you know, a very strictly defined role, uh, you know, sort of pseudo part-time role, then yeah, I think it could work. I don't see, I don't see why that couldn't work. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more, yeah. I think it's about, you know, is it too, yeah. Is, is Amani and his camp, his dad willing to accept a role like that? You know, that's a, that's a question to be asked and, you know, yeah, I think that's the, probably the right. Like, they can, you can always use another shooter. Okay. Yeah. Like that's the reality, but you're right. I think ultimately he'd have to, he'd have to be willing to accept the way Penny's doing the rotation now where, you know, maybe you play five or six minutes in the first half. And if you got it rolling, you play in the second half, but if you don't, maybe you don't play in the second half, you know, right. like that's kind of how Penny has been doing it. Um, and, but like, can he help? Yeah, sure. I could see scenarios where he can help. I can also see, you know, like it feel it feels like um, it, it feels like you know maybe maybe there's a middle ground. Like it felt like it felt like at the beginning of the season there was no middle ground with him. It was either boom or bust. And frankly, as the season went on more and more, it was a bust. It was bust. Yep. Um, and can they find a, a middle ground where he can settle into uh, at some point if he gets healthy? At the same time, if he if he doesn't get healthy, if he doesn't feel comfortable playing again, um, they've shown over this six game winning streak. You know, like they don't need him. You know, right. like uh, you know, Frank. You know, I think you can make the argument. It, it's not really so much better off without him. It's better off without the minutes that you have to give him and the role that he 
was playing uh, at the beginning of the season, they're better off with. Because it seems like as a teammate, he's fine. Like, you know what I mean? Like, the reputation of him, it, it feels like whatever reputation he had as being kind of like a selfish, me-first uh, guy, you know, like, was probably, you know, I think it was probably unfair to him because it seems like his teammates like him. He seems like a good teammate when you watch him uh, on the sideline and during games. Um, he just, you know, wasn't quite ready to be thrust into a main role on a college team when, he, you know, at the age he is and at the physical maturity level he's at. Yeah. And, and for the record, I'm skeptical. I'm still, you know, I, I, if I had to guess right now, I think Amani Bates is a spectator the rest of the season. Yes. That's, that's kind of where I'm at. I mean, like, obviously, um, things can change there. There's, there's time for, for things to change, but you know, at some point I know, I know Penny keeps saying, you know, we'll welcome him when he's ready. We'll, we'll, we'll gladly uh, work him back in. But at some point, like, you know, you're, you're, you're at that point in the season now where, uh, where it might, do you really want you, you really, is it, can you just put him in an SMU game? Let's say he says he's ready to go for the SMU game. Like, that's a big game, you know. Right. Like, do you really want to, sh- you know, figure it out at Dallas like that? I don't know. Maybe I, I don't know. Feels yeah. like it adds a degree of difficulty to a game that's already going to be difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that is the flip side to this argument. Is like with each passing day, it becomes t- more and more difficult to to do that. To to you know, the prospect of of adding somebody back into the mix like Imani Bates who who, you know, is such a, um, you know, his, his presence is just so, uh, loud and just in, in and of itself, um, you know, you gotta start thinking you might, you know, if you're Penny Hardaway, you might have to start thinking that way. Like it's getting kind of late now to, uh, to, to be messing with what you've got. Well, speaking of that, it is late. There's there's only five games left in this regular season for the Tigers and then the conference tournament. We are less than a month away from Selection Sunday. And the latest bracketology that is out there, uh, we'll go with Joe Lenardi for now, but I think lots of places uh, have updated their stuff. Um, but Joe Lenardi now has, he still has Memphis as last four in. But they're at the top of the last four in. Um, they they are up to, uh, I believe, number forty in the net. Is that right, Jason? That's correct. Um, let's see. Do they? Yeah, they're at forty in the net. At Ken Palm, they are thirty six. Um, so, and then if you look in the bracket matrix website, which tracks a lot of these things. Um, they are in a majority of those brackets. The, they, they track like 70 different brackets, bracketology people. And the majority of those bracketology sites have Memphis uh, in the field as of right now. They are listed as a 12 seed. So a play, you know, play in team. You know, some have one site, one site has them as high as a nine seed or a couple sites do. And then most everyone else has them like a 11 or 12 seed. Um, now I'll say this. I mean, they are still firmly on the bubble. I don't think 
a loss at SMU is devastating at this point. Um, you can afford to lose it, even though you'd like to win it, because, you know, frankly, I think a conference, you know, the, the AAC title is now within your reach. You don't control your own destiny, but, you, you know, if you can if you can win out, there's a pretty decent chance you can win the AAC regular season title for the first time. Um, but ultimately, I mean, SMU is a, is a first four out team. It, it, this is a quad one game. Like I said, it's not the end of the world. If you lose at SMU at the same time, you know, SMU is a team you're competing with on the bubble. I don't know if you want to have a get got swept by SMU on your resume. I don't think that's the greatest thing in the world either. Um, but they put themselves in the, in a position here, Jason, where it feels like, um, you know, it feels like they can stand to lose one at the same time. You know, I know right now they're, they're kind of bracketed as like a play in team. The way they're playing feels like to me, they can play their way into a bet, you know, like not comfortably in the field, but like a nine or a 10 or 11 seed here as this, you know, as, as, as this plays out, because they're playing at a level now where, you know, frankly, like they can win every game the rest of the way. If they, yeah. you know, like they beat, they won at Houston, the best team in the league, um, or was the best team in the league or purportedly the best team in the league. Like what, you know, like it feels like they can play their way in, to uh to a pretty you know a much more comfortable position even yeah i mean like the thing that's really interesting to me about all this is that like you know their stock is improving they're showing up on all these brackets now they're um you know they're they're rising in the in the net and they're rising in the kin palm and all the metrics and stuff like that but like and and they're running out of opportunity you know the, the season is getting shorter and shorter with each passing day there's only five games left in the regular season, but yet there's still so much to play for, you know, like uh, th- they are still on the bubble. So you, you, you do still have to keep, you know, you, you, it would, it would um, serve you well to continue winning uh, if you want to get to the NCAA tournament. And then you've got the seating and then you've got the potential of winning the league. And then you've, you know, but like, uh, you know, aside from just winning the league, you've got, you've, you, you're still playing for conference tournament seating purposes, you know, like you really, if you can't, if you can help it, you'd, you'd like to avoid playing Houston until the championship game. So, uh, you know, you, you, you're, you're jockeying for position as far as that's concerned. And then on top of all of that, at least as far as, uh, this weekend is concerned with SMU, you still have, revenge like smu beat you and uh and and so you know yeah like you uh you you've still got that out there as far as motivation is concerned so like um as as well as things are trending uh, for 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 memphis right now there's still plenty of uh you know if i if i am a tiger there's still plenty for me to um to use to get myself revved up uh, as, as we enter this, this home stretch of the season. Well, and the way I look at it is frankly, if you go five and oh, so you win at SMU beat temple and Wichita state at home, win at USF on the road and then close out the earth with another win against Houston. I think you're going into the conference tournament 
like it doesn't really matter what you do at the conference tournament. You're going to the NCAA. You're playing for seeding in the conference yep. tournament at that point. Which is uh, still important, which is still yes. I mean, like that's still something to play for, you know. But still, I think you're in. You're in at that point if you go five and zero here down the stretch. 100%. I think I think frankly, if you go four and one, and as long as what the one loss is either to at SMU or Houston at home, I think you're going in the conference tournament feeling pretty good. And you know, just make sure we don't lose to someone other than Houston or SMU in the conference tournament. You know, right. let's right. make sure we don't suffer a bad loss in the conference tournament, but still feel pretty good. I think you go three and two if you lose both at SMU and Houston, or if you get upset by Temple or Wichita State or something like that, you know, then I think you're sweating it out. You're, you know, you're 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 kind of in the position you were probably heading into the Houston game where, you know, maybe you're in, but maybe you're not. You know, like you, you don't feel totally – I think you're sweating it out on Selection Sunday, especially if – you know, you don't get to the, you know, you're in a position where you go, well, we might as well win the conference tournament because we're not sure, you know, like maybe you get, maybe you could get in, but you wouldn't be sure if you go three and two here down the stretch, um, in my mind. Um, so that, that's sort of how I look at it, uh, here as we close out. And just for the record, as of today, Houston is in first in the league at nine and two SMU is at nine and three. Memphis is at nine and four. Tulane is at nine and five. That's your top four um, in the league standings. SMU and Houston still have to play again as well this season. Um, so if you beat SMU and you beat Houston, one of them is going to also lose another game because they play each other. Um, so that's why I say you're in a, you know, if you win out, you're in a decent spot here to win the conference title, um, which would be pretty, which would be a pretty big achievement for the for this team, given where it was, and for the program, considering they've never won the American. Correct uh, me, correct me if I'm wrong, but like if you beat if you beat SMU on Sunday, wouldn't you be rooting for SMU against Houston? Like you need you need Houston to take another loss before you see them, you know, before. Well, the other- only question is, yeah, yes. Because I think so, because one, if you finish in a three-way tie, it goes by your record against the two other teams. Right. And if Memphis beats SMU and beats Houston, that would mean they'd have the best record in that kind of three-way pod. Um, So probably, I would say. Um, So we'll see. Yeah. Uh, We'll see about that. Now, um... So yeah, so that that that'll be kind of an interesting. Now it's funny after the Cincinnati game, we'll get into the SMU game in a second here. You know, it what I do find really interesting is that unlike most coaches, like Penny is pretty upfront that he is using this bracketology stuff as motivation. Yeah. Um, like I, I did find it kind of funny after the Cincinnati game. Like he's talking about like the bracketology stuff as if like that's what determines who like. Joe Lenardi does not determine who gets in the NCAA tournament. Like Joe Lenardi is just acting like what he believes the committee is going to, how they're going to judge this thing. Um, And like Penny said, the disrespect is real because 
you know, they beat number, I guess Houston was what, number six in the AP poll when they beat them, hadn't lost at home in forever. But the reality is, like, you look at, like, Jerry Palm's bracketology, like, he's got Houston as, like, a seven seed in the NCAA tournament because, yep. as you mentioned, they don't have any quadrant wins. Like, I don't think the bracketologists are disrespecting Memphis. Like, the reality is, like, their resume is a is an odd one in that they've got these impressive wins over Alabama and now Houston but they've also got some and they've got a nice strength of schedule um, and a good record in quad one and quad two, like six and or they have a good record in quad one, but not a great record in quad two and also some quad three losses. So it's kind of like you're, you know, it's an odd resume. And, and, you know, it's funny, Gary Parrish on, on my radio station, 929 says this a lot. And I think it's true. A lot of times when we're looking at someone's resume, we just focus on who they beat. But like who you lost to is also a big factor in all of this. Uh, and that's why Memphis is still sort of on the bubble because of who they've lost to. Um, they do have eight losses. Um, but I am all for Penny using it as motivation to, for the team. Like I thought, I thought that was great after the game. Like they're like upset that they're still first. They were still last four out after the Houston win. And like, you know what, anything you can use as fuel at this time of year uh, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it, it is interesting. I mean, you know, the, the fact that he is paying such close atten- attention to, uh, well, the it's not that he's paying close attention to it. I think all the coaches pay close attention to it. Not all coaches talk about paying close right. attention to it. You know what right. I mean? Right. Yes. Um, and so, yeah, like, I'm like you, whatever it takes, whatever it takes to get your team, going and, it, and it's and it's clear that it, it's it's working um they, they uh alex lomax and lester quinones uh both brought it up independently of one another uh just how you know how, how they're trying to prove people wrong and things like that and so yeah i mean like whatever whatever it takes to get the job done go for it yeah um all right let's as we wrap things up here Let's look at this SMU game Sunday. It's on ESPN. You'll be down in Dallas, Jason, to chronicle it for the commercial appeal. Uh, SMU is coming off a loss last night. They lost to Temple on the road. Kendrick Davis, SMU's star player, did not play due to an ankle injury. So um, that'll be a big looming factor ahead of this Memphis game. Is he going to be healthy enough to play? My gut tells me he'll. My gut tells me whether he's 100% or not. Like this is a huge game for both teams um, because SMU is very much a bubble team as well uh, that he'll play. But if he's not 100%, that that's a that's that's a boon for Memphis. Um, but you know SMU came into FedEx Forum and beat Memphis by eight, um, and it was an interesting game in the sense it was the game where Penny blew up. You know, had the had the the expletive uh, laden response uh, to that question in the press conference, and Memphis has not lost since that game. Right. Um, but they lost by eight, and yet, you know, Memphis played about as awful a ten or fifteen minutes in that first half as I can recall this year, and still came back and and, and you know. I believe I tied the game at one point or was real close in the second half and just, you know, just ran out of gas a little bit. Um, 
but SMU is like kind of a, it, it's an interesting matchup in that they play um, they play really small and yes. like you know, like ultimately like Memphis did not have I believe DeAndre Williams did not play in that SMU game but but Jalen Duran did uh, in the first one um, but with the it, it's going to be interesting to me how the front court of you know like to, the key to me is. You need the front court of DeAndre Williams and Jalen Duran should be should be a dominating factor given the size, the the lack of size SMU plays. Like those guys should eat them alive inside. Um, that's how you win this game. And now the flip side is they are defensively, especially Jalen Duran, is going to be challenged in a way they aren't usually challenged. And we've seen both of them can be foul prone. So I think that is kind of the battle within the battle that I'm looking at. And then you add in the Kendrick Davis factor. Like that's that to me decides this matchup. How healthy is Kendrick Davis? How effective can he be? What did, you know, Alo's that's going to be a big matchup for Alo, I assume. And then, you know, will Memphis's size advantage be an advantage? Because it should be. Yeah, I agree. No, I mean, the other things to keep in mind is that there was no Landers Nolly in the first matchup between these two teams. There was no Chandler Lawson. It was oh, also yeah, that's a good point. It, it was also Alex Lomax's first game back from mm. more than three weeks off uh, yeah. with his with his own ankle problem. Now in that first game, Kendrick Davis did score twenty points. Six of them came at the free throw line though because he drew eight fouls by himself. Mm. Eight personal fouls he he drew all all by himself. Um, and and Memphis, uh, you know, yeah, they lost by eight. They missed eight free throws in that game. They also went one for twelve from three point from from beyond yeah. the arc. Uh, wow. You know what I mean? Like like there was it was just kind of like the perfect storm. There was just a lot yeah. of uh, a lot of things, a lot of facts. It was an ugly game. I mean, SMU was six of twenty three from three point range. They're actually a pretty good three point shooting team usually. Yeah. As well. And you mentioned the free throws. We haven't brought it up. That has been a huge factor in these, especially these last two wins. Like Memphis's ability to hit clutch free throws, um, I don't think that can be emphasized enough. Like right. the, the way they're hitting free throws right now, like, you know, if they can keep that up, they are really going to be tough to beat. If they can continue putting themselves in position where at the end of games, They've got Tyler Harris, Landers Nolly, Lester Quinones, or Alex Lomax going to the free throw line. They're going to be just fine. They're going to be just fine. Like they, they, they have not, they don't have a great free throw shooting percentage overall, but they now have seven games this season shooting 80% or better uh, from the line. That, in in the previous two seasons combined, they had five games where they shot eighty percent or better from the free throw line. So they're getting they're getting better. They're improving there. Um, it hasn't been great overall, but it's been great lately. They they they're thirty for their last thirty four from the free throw line. That's uh, that's pretty strong. Yeah. No. And the and well, and the reality is, so SMU started their starting lineup did not feature anyone taller than six foot five. And no one taller than six foot five played double digit minutes in the game. And yet they were tied with Memphis in the rebounding battle in that first game. Like that can't happen again. You know? Well, yeah. And and like the thing about it is, is like 
Jalen Durant, a lot can happen in a month. He is a completely different player. Not a different player, but he's he's much improved. Uh, well, I don't know if it's as improved as much as they use him more. Like, you know, he's like getting the ball more on offense. They're playing inside out more. Yeah. Um, and he's being utilized better, I would say. And I think it's partially, you know, like Alo because Alo's playing better. You know, like I think a big man is a lot, you know, a lot of times a big man's dependent on the guard play. And you've got Alo playing at a high level, Tyler for the most part playing at a high level, Lester playing at a high level, Landers playing at a high level. Like, I think that's a big factor in Jay. I don't know if Jalen is super improved as much as like the players around him have improved. And that allows him to showcase himself better. Yeah. What, one last thing to, to mention about uh, SMU's loss at Temple. Uh, Temple was missing four starters, inc- including their top three scorers, and still, wow. and still won. So it's it's yeah. Uh, SMU's two and two in their last four games. Uh, they scored fifty-seven points last night against Temple, and and in a loss to Wichita State, they scored just fifty-seven points. So. Um, yeah, they're, they're they're not they're not fired on all cylinders like they were. But they uh, also beat Houston, uh, you know, they last did. week ago. Uh, yeah. So, and they are they are by the way undefeated at home this year. Have not lost at Moody Coliseum yet. So, yeah. um, Memphis is going to have to break another home winning streak uh, in Dallas if they want to win another uh, quad one game. Um, but hey. They play the way they've been playing late, lately. I kind of like their chances, even though SMU is really good at home, even though they beat them the first time. You know, Memphis is playing at a level now where, and a consistency where, you know, I feel pretty good about what they've become as a team here over the last month or so. You and me both. Yeah. All right. Well, it'll be interesting. You'll Again, you'll be there. We'll have tons of coverage up at commercialappeal.com of that SMU game. Um, and then, uh, you know, then then we're really truly in the stretch run after that uh, of the season. So things are really heating up, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, covering it all. Uh, and I hope you'll uh, follow along as well here. Thanks for listening to the podcast. I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Uh, we will see you next week. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully, still streaking. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal.